0: ever meet a dizzy blonde? Did you ask her if she played soccer? If not, maybe you failed to diagnose her concussion. To find out, stay tuned to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and joining me at the Clinician's Roundtable is Dr. Robert Cantu. Dr. Cantu is the Chief of Neurosurgery and Director of Sports Medicine at Emerson Hospital in Concord, Massachusetts and co-director of the Neurological Sports Injury Center at Boston Brigham and Women's Hospital. He is the medical director of the National Center for Catastrophic Sports Injury Research and past president of the American College of Sports Medicine. Today we are discussing the explosive increase in concussions in female athletes. Welcome, Dr. Cantu. Thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable.
1: Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having
0: us. Before I get done, I must... Let me apologize to all the blondes in our audience and to my mother, who is blonde and Phi Beta Kappa. Hi, Mom. Now, back to the show. How did you get involved in sports medicine and head injuries?
1: Well, as a neurosurgeon, it was natural to be involved with head injuries. And I got involved with sports medicine because I've been an athlete my whole life and played sports through college.
0: You pitched in varsity baseball in college, is that right? I
1: did. I pitched for the Cal Bears in Berkeley. In the New York Times-
0: October second, two 2007, there was an article, Girls are often neglected victims of concussions. And you've been noted to say that the girls are flying under the radar. How did this happen?
1: Oh, well, I think part of it is because until the recent tremendous exposure with U.S. women's soccer uh, on TV, uh, most women were thought of as playing sports in general in a more subdued manner than men. And the reality is that, uh, on average, that may be true for some, but it certainly isn't true for all.
0: What is the incidence in concussions in girls versus boys?
1: Well, if you look at the same sports that each of them play, like basketball and like soccer, the incidence of concussion is significantly higher in the women than it is in the men. So women seem to be concussed at a higher rate in the same sports uh, as compared with men.
0: What makes the difference?
1: Well, Bill, that's a great question. And quite frankly, today, nobody really knows the answer. Uh, there are three main uh, theories, and my pet theory is that women are just more honest. They're, uh, <laughs> they're reporting their concussions at a higher rate than men, who tend to play through them frequently. And unfortunately, women tend to do that, too, and that's the wrong thing. The other leading theories are that women have less well-developed necks so that their, their, neck, their shock absorber, so to speak, for the head is not as well-developed. And then, of course, there are the obvious hormonal differences, and whether that plays a role or not, time will tell.
0: Do the injuries occur to the same part of the brain in boys and girls?
1: As far as we know, the answer is yes.
0: The amount of damage, do they differ in magnitude? And how about the recovery? Does it take longer for boys or girls to recover, or is it about the same?
1: Yeah, you know, most of us feel in the concussion area, and certainly my guidelines, definitely point out that the longer one takes to recover from a concussion, the more severe the concussion is. And that's really where severity should be graded. Wait till the concussion is over see how many symptoms there were, how severe they were, how long they lasted, and then determine how severe the concussion is. And if we use that criteria, women are having more severe concussions on average than the boys because they take longer to recover on average.
0: Is the reason for that known? or
1: I don't think the reason is known. Again, there are at least two out of those three theories that we just mentioned that could apply to that. But they're just that right now, Bill. They're theories nobody has. Definite factual proof as to why.
0: What about soccer as the activity? I mean, everybody probably would have thought of football as the big cause of concussion. But in girls' soccer, where do the injuries occur? Heading the ball or what's going on?
1: Well, not heading the ball, heading each other. Uh, It can be in the act of trying to head the ball. A very few concussions occur in soccer from the ball itself. Uh, Almost all of them occur from the head contacting another head or another body part and then the third most common is the head contacting the ground. Occasionally, it happens from a ball, but it's almost always a ball that's kicked at a very short distance of a few feet. The typical heading maneuver does not produce forces to normally cause a concussion.
0: Is there a difference in the age of the child in terms of susceptibility to concussion and outcomes?
1: All the evidence that is there suggest that the younger child is more easily concussed and that it may have more significant implications for them as compared with concussions sustained during one's adult life. That's kind of evidence that it is evolving. Again, uh, there's certainly a number of peer-reviewed papers suggesting that. It's not uniformly agreed upon by everybody, but most of us are more concerned about the young, evolving brain as compared with a fully developed brain. Not that both don't have significant concerns.
0: Is there anything we can do for prevention? Obviously, more and more kids are playing sports, and the incidence of concussions going up, how do we stem the tide?
1: Yeah, I think the number one thing is uh, learn proper technique. Football is being played, and technically, the head is not supposed to be the initial point of contact for blocking or tackling. It's technically against the rules not all, often called, but nonetheless against the rules. If you keep the head out of the initial hit in football, you certainly greatly minimize your chances of being concussed. And same is true with proper heading technique in soccer. And to the extent sports are played with very good technique, you do minimize. You don't eliminate, of course, but you minimize your chance of being concussed.
0: What about the size of the athlete? I mean, the NFL is a big source of injuries, and I understand there have been some serious brain damage that's occurred from the NFL. And these players get bigger and bigger. Should we put a size limit on them? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. I know how you can, although that has been done, of course, for well, You pop could probably take the
0: steroids away. That would probably help.
1: But it is interesting that you bring that up, and not just a comical way, because there obviously are height and weight limits on Pop Warner football. There are restrictions as to cubic inch displacements on stock cars. There are restrictor plates at certain tracks. So as long as the product is still exciting and everything else, it not necessarily does one have to go at it with the biggest or the fastest.
0: I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Cantu, Chief of Neurosurgery and Director of Sports Medicine at Emerson Hospital in Concord, Massachusetts. We're discussing concussions in female athletes. How about protective headgear and other uh, equipment that might stave off concussions?
1: Well, right now there is no protective headgear that staves off concussions, not even in football. The football helmets that are currently on the markets are made to a standard to eliminate skull fracture, which they've done perfectly, and to minimize the chance of developing severe subdural hematomas, which they've greatly reduced. But they're not made to a standard to prevent concussion, nor do they.
0: Could you do anything like an airbag, some kind of added cushioning in there that absorbs the blow?
1: (laughs) It's interesting that you just mentioned the magic word. They're probably, within the next two or three weeks, will be a new helmet technology that's made public that uses something that you just said. And it's a brand-new football helmet that, uh, as a vice president of NOXIE, I know has already been tested and tested out extremely well. And it involves a new technology, the first new technology brought on the market in quite a few years
0: can't believe I missed another million-dollar idea. <laughs> guess I'm going back to work tomorrow. <laughs> a couple of other things I'd like to talk about. One is long-term consequences. I mean, I played a lot of high school football, and every time I made a mistake, my father said to me, use your head, and I did. Could that have caused me any long-term consequences?
1: I suspect not, but could. The answer is yes. Uh, traumatic encephalopathy has been shown to be present so far in four uh, deceased NFL players, um, these players all had a triad of depression, cognitive impairment, and very irrational emotional behavior toward the ends of their life that unquestionably were due in part, if not exclusively, to the traumatic changes in their brain. So, multiple concussions that can lead to traumatic encephalopathy in susceptible individuals uh, can have life altering consequences.
0: Is there a number of concussions that should either keep you out of the game, keep you out of the sport, and is there any prediction in terms of risk of future damages based on number of concussions?
1: Well, that's a great question because there is some evidence from a study, actually two of them, that came out of University of North Carolina, their retired athletes center there that Kevin Guskowitz heads up, that suggested depression, cognitive impairment are three to five times greater in retired NFL players that had Three or more concussions compared with a group that didn't have any. The problem there, though, is that those were all self-report data, and whether those individuals really had three concussions or 30 or 200, nobody really knows because the age when that data was accumulated, concussion really wasn't very well recognized. No, I don't believe there is a number. I don't believe it's as simple as saying three or five or ten. For some people, one is all they can have without permanent sequelae, Others, it might be two. Many others I've seen in my office, professional, especially athletes, have had more than 10 and are doing fine, and some of them aren't. So I think it's an individual situation in every case. It depends on the severity, the number, the proximity of concussions, but it's an individual assessment.
0: With what you know about concussions, if you had a daughter, would you let her play soccer?
1: Absolutely. I think everything in life is risk and reward. There are some risks. The rewards are great. The risks are not inordinate. Obviously, the most dangerous thing a daughter can do at the high school or college level is get in a car with another student driving. (laughs) That's the truth. Absolutely.
0: I'd like to thank Dr. Robert Cantu, who's been our guest. And we've been discussing why female athletes bear the brunt of concussions. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I wish you good day and good health.